What is up, everybody? My name is Mimi Blue, and you're listening to Human Dialectic. How are you doing today? You could hear in my voice, I'm a bit chirpy, you know, better than last week, trying to get back into the rhythm, but I'm really excited to be talking to all of you. And I hope you are excited to learn something new today, hear what's in the news cycle, hear what's not being presented to you in mainstream media, legacy media. But uh, let's let's get right into it. What are we going to focus on in today's episode? What is the theme? What is the critical news piece or headline that you need to be aware of? Well, my friends, my friends, I know if you are listening to this, most likely you are a hardworking person, hardworking citizen. You have a job, or at least I think you have a job. There are a lot of people who are not in the workforce for various reasons. If you do have a job, you know how difficult it is to sustain a living. I mean, the cost of living is skyrocketing. The price of groceries, food, gas, energy, everything is skyrocketing. What am I leading to? Well, the most important thing that we need to talk about today is the economy. And I started to see a trend of articles stating that next year there is going to be massive layoffs. Massive. Massive. I mean, if if we didn't have massive layoffs last year or the year before in 2020 when COVID hit and the nation pretty much shut down, you have no idea what it's going to be like next year. Why do I say that? Because we are in such high amount of debt that we just can't get out of it. Well, there is one option. And it is for our federal banks to default, for the United States to default on its debt. And remember, boys and girls, the elites live off of debt. They live off of you all not knowing how money works and to and for you to accumulate as much debt as possible. So before going into those articles Let's talk about this student's loan forgiveness, which is going to be a big, big mistake. I recognize that there are a lot of people who do have student loans, federal versus private loans, or you may have both. The Student Loan Forgiveness Act is supposed to address federal loans. Now, here's a question. Why did the federal government even get into the business of issuing out loans to begin with? If this was the path, the trajectory, the outcome of them getting involved, why are we not asking the question of why the federal government got into this business to begin with? And for those of you who are not familiar with how a federal body or government body should operate. It should not be in the business of making money. That is not the purpose of a government body. Okay. 
A government body is supposed to be responsible for commerce, responsible for national security, responsible for upholding to the Constitution, though I highly doubt that we even have a Constitution, so I'm not even going to talk about that. But nobody wants to ask the question as to why they even got into the business of issuing loans. So boys and girls, we are going to go back in history first. Before I talk about current news, we need to go back in history to first understand how we got to this point. So we need to understand the history of student loans. Now, this article entitled State of Student Debt in the U.S. Part 2 by Center for Online Education, it talks about the past two decades where student debt has risen each year. In the last eight years, the number has tripled, culminating in today's shockingly all-time high. According to FinA.org, the class of 2013 incurred an average of $30,000 in student loan debt. Now, I'm going to pause here. I don't have student loans, and I'm very grateful for that. I am aware of people in my circle who do have student loans, and it is a never ending just slavery in a sense where you are indebted for life. You never feel like you are paying it off because the money that you are making right now is not enough to supplement your basic living standards, your bills, uh, just to survive in general. And then you have the loans. You may have a car note, you may have student loans, you may have medical bills. I mean, the list goes on and on. But I really empathize with people who do have student loans. The thing is, I was very, very informed when it, when it came to money. I knew that credit card debt, the biggest thing that a lot of people have, was a big mistake. They, they meaning the banks, will try to get you indebted in college while you're in college because they know that you don't have the financial acumen to understand that banks make money off of debt, 100%. So let's go back to the history of student loans because for public or a population that lacks the financial knowledge of money and how it works, they're likely to think that, hey, I have easy access to credit. Let me take this money out. Not looking into the interest rate, not looking into when they need to start paying, not looking into whether the interest rate is fixed versus variable. These are key things, ladies and gentlemen, key things. And if you see any red flags, especially if you see an interest rate that's like 20%, that is absolutely ridiculous. 20% and it's variable. This is why you need to study up on how money works. So let me inform you all of the history of student loans. In 1840, the first student loans in the U.S. were offered exclusively to students at Harvard University. Public student loans did not arise until the 20th century. In fact, the U.S. Department of Education, which was founded in 1867, did not administer federal student loans until the passage of Title 
4 of the Higher Education Act in 1965. In the two decades prior to the institution of federally guaranteed student loans, the U.S. experienced a significant increase in college attendance. However, thanks in part to the passage of the GI Bill in 1944, fulfilling the need for affordable higher education, the GI Bill subsidized or completely covered the cost of college education for nearly half of Americans returning World War II veterans. Since its inception, this program has remained popular over the years. Nearly 32% of all male veterans have used it to attend college as of 2009. That was in 1944. Now let's move into 1956. One year after the HEA was enacted, the precursor to the National Association of Student Financial Aid Administrators was established. Today, this organization enlists more than 18,000 professionals at colleges and universities across the country to help students access higher education through financial aid. In 1972, the HEA was amended to ensure education programs whose students were receiving financial assistance and student loans did not discriminate based on gender. By 1976 to 77, all undergraduate students became eligible for Pell Grants. Together, these two popular programs further increased college attendance rates by providing financial assistance to individuals who previously could not obtain it. Fast forward to 1986. However, not all student financial assistance has been beneficial. Signs of trouble with student borrowing began to appear by the late 1980s. In 1986, parents and students had incurred nearly $10 billion in federal student loans, then considered an outrageous amount. That same year, more than one quarter of student borrowers owned more than $10,000 in student loan debt. Adjusting for inflation, this is equivalent to over $21,000 today. Certainly by the 1990s, student loan debt began to skyrocket. In 1993, the average debt of a bachelor's degree graduate was approximately $9,000. Five years later, it was about $15,000. By 2003, it had jumped to approximately $17,500. Fast forward to the 1990s. Today, the average outstanding student loan balance per debtor is roughly $30,000, though one recent study by Fidelity Investments put the figure as high as $35,200. Approximately 20% of U.S. households currently owe student loan debt, as do 40% of people younger than 35. This means an increase of nearly 200% of overall student loan debt public and private, over the last 20 years. As of 2012, total student debt surpassed $1 trillion. So that's the history. And then this article summarizes the trends, the reasons, the factors as to why we are in this situation. And there isn't a single reason why student loan debt has gotten out of control. You can look at tuition. Tuition has increased so rapidly in the past couple of years. There's a great documentary if you are interested in learning about universities and how they make money called Ivory Tower. And it highlights how 
universities are now business. You know, they they try to to get a, a certain quota of, of students, international students. They get more money from international students, uh, students who are out of state. Um, they take loans out to revamp these campuses. I don't know about you, but my alumni, The Ohio State University, has a brand new campus, practically a brand new campus. They took out so much money to revamp this campus to make it appealing to outsiders. I mean, there are a lot of students from Ohio who attend Ohio State, but they were trying to make it appealing to a lot of out-of-state students. I could not understand why it had gotten so expensive since I last attended Ohio State, which was many years ago. But a lot of these universities are charging 60, 70,000 a year for tuition and room and board. Now you have to think, what type of job do you need to be doing? What occupation should you be pursuing in order to get a return on what you paid for going to school for four years, which would roughly be well over 200,000. You see, college isn't about the education. Even though we have seen our population become more and more educated, though I think it's a combination of just mind control and people are not really thinking. <laughs> That's a whole separate conversation. But people have become more educated trying to to obtain a a good job a a good high paying job you need to have a bachelor's degree you need a bachelor's degree to even enter into the corporate world what's even funny is that you don't even use the material that you learned in college for your your job is that not insane but I already did an episode on that right I'm not gonna rant on how college really is useless. If you are an entrepreneur or you have great hands-on skills, you are gonna be absolutely fine. I mean, you may not be making 180,000, but understand that you are thinking outside of the box. You are very valuable and you have the ability to be successful long-term. Now, tuition has been skyrocketing, all right? Another factor that this article states is that this nation is more relaxed when it comes to borrowing. I mean, people are borrowing so much money, and I don't know if people realize that they need to pay that money back, and there's interest. What they don't realize is that the banks get money from the federal governments. They're literally getting loans from the federal government, interest-free, but then they take those loans hand it to us and then charge us interest that's insane and it's robbery it's illegal but they're doing it they're doing it the banks are doing it i do want to highlight for you all that here in the states we are very liberal when it comes to credit cards and so forth like just having access to credit I mean, somebody could be making 12000 a year and has access to credit. In a lot of nations, more like the third world nations, um, and you may get some first world nations where it's also strict, having access to credit is very, very difficult. Very difficult. 
And there's a reason why the poverty levels are extremely high. And it's due to other factors, but people don't have access to credit easily. Even those who are making good income may be considered middle class. They may not have access to credit. But here in the States, you could be dirt poor and you can have five credit cards. That's how easy it is here. So I'm going to wrap it back to the topic of student loan forgiveness. You know, you do have so many students who are graduating with liberal arts degrees, um, just design, music, art. I mean, it's just, it's so mind boggling that this is what students are going to school for. You don't need to pay that. So the student loan forgiveness, coming back to this, Now we're at a point where there's so many students who are being buried under loans that they can't can't even make a living. So Biden is now thinking or presenting this idea that we should just forgive the student loans of roughly 40 million people, maybe even more. Do we have a clear understanding as to what the consequences would be if we did this. And this is why I'm talking about it. Uh, Because it's going to drive inflation insane. You can't just erase the books. You can't just clear the numbers and say, oh, it never existed. Because guess what? The money accumulated to some degree, it has to be paid back. And if you don't pay it back, That means everything else is going to increase. So don't listen to me. I'm going to read exactly five questions that a lot of economists, financial analysts, uh, journalists are raising because there isn't clarity or a clear strategy as to how this will mitigate an impact on our economy. So according to The Hill, President Biden's plan to forgive up to $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients and $10,000 for other student loan holders is a controversial move cheered by many Democrats, but jeered by Republicans. See, they want to create this division. This has nothing to do with Republicans, Republicans versus Democrats. This is an issue of our future because we're not going to have a future if we keep accumulating so much debt or just erasing things as if it never happened. So here are the five alarming questions that people have, but we don't have answers to. Number one, will it raise inflation? Biden's plan immediately came under fire for the potential negative impact it could have on the already 40-year high inflation rate, with some economists warning it will be highly inflationary. Others have said any effect is likely to be more marginal. I don't know who these others are. So it's going to have an immediate impact on all of us. It's not just the 40 million people. It's going to be on all of us. Okay. Question number two, will colleges raise tuition in response? Many observers have questioned whether colleges will raise tuition in response to the Biden move under the rationale that more forgiveness could be on the way. 
quote, it creates this problem of once you have forgiven or have canceled loans just broadly, that sets a precedent and it gives people going forward an expectation and a reasonable argument. If people don't think their loans will ever have to be repaid or repaid in full, they have incentive to take out more loans. Exactly. We don't have a population that is very knowledgeable or educated when it comes to money. So we live in a society where people are not held accountable for their actions. We see it with our leaders. They are not going to step down. They think they are above the law. And then you have people who I'm not going to say that they're leeches, but I'm just going to use that term because that's the term that came to mind. People who leech in society. They don't really produce anything. They complain. They feel as if they need to bring other people down to their level. They don't feel as if they need to follow the rules. That is exactly what we are seeing. Number three, will this stand up to court challenges? Well, you better believe that this is going to go to court. Court challenges to Biden's efforts are expected, though their precise nature is a bit of a mystery. White House Press Secretary Corrine Jean-Pierre said on Thursday that White House is confident in its legal authority and that the steps will hold up in court. Interesting. We'll see what what, uh, the future holds. Number four, who is in and out in terms of eligibility? Now, pay attention. The policy appears to leave out a very small number of borrowers, estimated to be about 5% of those who have loans. The program caps eligibility for the program by income level, $125,000 for a single person and $250,000 for couples. If everyone who is eligible claims the relief, 43 million federal student loan borrowers will benefit and nearly 90% of the benefits will go to borrowers earning less than $75,000, according to the White House. If you believe anything that the White House has to say, I pity you. So we'll see. Finally, who pays for it? That is the biggest question of all. Taxpayers will pick up the bill for the program, though it isn't clear how much the price tag will be. (laughs) So you and I and everybody else, though some of you may never have gone to college, some of you never took out a federal loan. And by the way, This is forgiveness on federal loans. This is not to address those with private loans. I said a lot. I said a lot on this topic. And it's a great transition into the economy news regarding layoffs and a downward spiral. We are approaching the end of Q3, which is the end of September. This is a midterm election year. I don't know if they're going to continuously cook the numbers on Wall Street uh, to keep the Wall Street numbers strong, quote unquote strong, until after the midterm election. I don't know, but there are articles that are coming out about layoffs. Everyone needs to get ready. You all need to get ready. I know it's difficult to figure out what you can do on your own. I'm also in the same boat as well. I'm trying to figure out how I could remove myself from the system. You know, you can learn how to 
grow food, you can learn some hard skills, become a mechanic, um, build a community, okay? Because when this all collapses, it is going to be hell on earth for I don't know how long. But the more that you are prepared and the more that you hear about this, this is not going to come as a surprise to you. You will already know that this is coming. But for those who are not paying attention and there are still a lot of people who are asleep, it is going to be extremely traumatizing when they see that the economy crashes. This isn't going to be like 2008. This isn't going to be like the depression. This is going to officially just destroy the economy. There will be no rebuilding of the economy. So here is an article entitled The Layoff Tsunami Has Begun. 50% of U.S. companies plan to eliminate jobs within the next 12 months. If half of the firms in the entire country really do cut jobs over the next year, what will our economy look like afterwards? All over America, companies are anticipating that a major economic downturn is coming in 2023, and a lot of them are already planning to shed workers in order to cut costs. Of course, this sounds so much like what we went through back in 2008 and 2009. Millions of Americans lost their jobs during the Great Recession, and it was truly a very dark time in our history. So are we right on the verge of seeing a repeat? Unfortunately, a brand new survey that was just released has discovered that 50% of all U.S. companies plan to eliminate jobs within the next 12 months. The following comes from CNBC. Meanwhile, 50% of firms are anticipating a reduction in overall headcount, while 52% foresee instituting a hiring freeze and 44% rescinding job offers, according to a PwC survey of 722 U.S. executives fielded in early August. These are executives' expectations for the next six months to a year, and therefore may evolve, according to Bushin Sethi, a co-head of PwC's Global People and Organization Group. That is really telling. That's really telling. And these are executives who have access to their profit margins. They understand the costs. They understand how they're performing. We already know that the labor force is short-staffed for reasons including that people are not going to hire those who are not vaccinated. Still to this day, we're still having that conversation. So I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen precisely, but I do know that our economy is being shut off strategically. Other articles that are highlighting a potential great layoff includes Michael Burry. Big short investor Michael Burry warns of consumer debt crisis winter coming. You know, you heard that term winter is coming. Nobody knows anything. That's the point we often make on this show, but it's not totally true. A few people know a lot. Michael Burry knows a lot. He's one of the smartest people in American finance. Who was Michael Burry? Well, he was one of the very few Americans who understood that the housing bubble of the late 2000s 
would lead to system-wide destruction of our economy, which of course in the end it did. How did Michael Burry manage to see that coming? Well, unlike most investors, he's also a physician. He is trained to assess problems empirically on the basis of evidence rather than theory. If you're interested in the details of what Burry was saying in 2007 and 2008, read or watch The Big Short, which is based largely on his predictions of the last financial crash. So with that in mind, what is Michael Burry saying about the economy now? Well, among other things, Burry is highly concerned about something called modern monetary theory, MMT. MMT is essentially the belief that big governments like ours can pay for everything indefinitely simply by printing more money. Now, that's an old idea, but there's a problem with it. Printing more money causes inflation, inevitably. No one denies that. It's always true. What makes MMT new and alluring is that its theorists claim to have a solution to that problem. Radically increase taxes. Less cash in the system would mean less inflation. If people don't have income to spend, prices can't go up as quickly. When you have no money, you can't overpay for goods and services. No inflation. Does that sound appealing to you? To a certain kind of socialist academic, it all makes perfect sense. What does the public think of this plan? Well, no one's asked them because nobody cares. But Michael Burry thinks the rest of us should be prepared for the consequences of this. Quote, the U.S. government is inviting inflation with its MMT-tinged policies, Burry wrote over the weekend in a series of tweets. Burry went on to quote extensively from a 1974 book called Dying of Money, which explains what Germany looked like 100 years ago, right before hyperinflation there changed that country and the rest of the world forever. As it collapsed, the German economy took on, quote, unmistakable characteristics. One was the great wealth, at least of those favored by the boom. Many great fortunes sprang up overnight. The cities had an aimless and wanton youth. Prices in Germany were steady and both business and the stock market were booming. The exchange rate of the mark against the dollar and other currencies actually rose for a time and the mark was momentarily the strongest currency in the world. Side by side with the wealth were pockets of poverty. Greater numbers of people remained on the outside of the easy money, looking in, but not able to enter. The crime rate soared. Accounts of the time tell of a progressive demoralization which crept over the common people, compounded of their weariness with a breakneck pace to no visible purpose, and their fears from watching their own precarious positions slip while others grew so conspicuously rich. Speculation alone, while adding nothing to Germany's wealth, became one of its largest activities. The fever to join in turning a quick mark infected nearly all classes. Everyone from the elevator operator up was playing the market, end quote. And then, inevitably, of course, it all collapsed. Quote, the Deutschmarks that existed in the world in the summer of 1922, all of them, were not worth enough by November of 1923 to buy a single newspaper or a tram ticket. That was the spectacular part of the collapse, but most of the real loss in money wealth have been suffered much earlier. End quote. A book worth getting. We have an article by Breitbart stating Biden's executive order is a direct threat to the dollar. Now, this is in regards to executive order 14067. And Basically, this article is stating that there's going to be total over con total control over our bank accounts and purchases. We are going to go digital next year. Now, here's the thing. I skimmed this executive order and I'm not going to say that the article is wrong, but 
I have doubts that all of this is going to be implemented in 2023. I mean, obviously, these are things that take time to uh, deploy, to be fully implemented, to be fully operational. But I did read Executive Order 14067. And in the order, Biden is asking for assessments by essentially, I think it's like by the end of September or October. So we are approaching the 180 days from the time that this executive order was signed to the time where um, these committees need to provide an assessment on what it would take to have our economy operate using digital currency or at least completely revamp the banking structure. It is quite shocking what they are asking for. However, this idea that it is going to take into effect in 2023, I still have yet to find that in the bill. So I will come back as I've done with other bills, read precisely what is in the bill and my interpretation. But we can see that these are things that are being laid out. This bill was actually, or I shouldn't call it a bill, this executive order was actually signed back in March, but it's now making its headway now because people are realizing that it is approaching the end of this 180-day window of doing an assessment and debriefing the president on this. Now, the final thing I did want to mention that is tied to the economy is COVID. And I haven't been reporting a lot on COVID, even though there have been new reports coming out, people dying. I, again, will say that I have never had someone die personally in my circle, or I don't know anybody who has died from the vaccine, but I do know that it is happening. Just because I don't see it doesn't mean that it is not happening. However, I do know many people who are getting sick. And we know that it is tied to attacking the immune system. Well, 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 people are now realizing that the vaccine was a fraud, that it was intended to harm them and not help them. And as a result, Fauci, who, by the way, put in his retirement for the end of Biden's term, he has now resigned not immediately, but he will be resigning by the end of this year. And I don't think that they could continue to lie to us about how great this vaccine is. There is no other reason for him to be resigning other than the fact that he is fleeing the sinking ship. What really bothers me is that you have few people in government, including Fauci, who instructed not just the United States, but practically the entire world. America was literally the blueprint. The orders, the protocols, whatever was instructed has essentially made its way across the globe. Yes, you can say the who also was instructing in some of those protocols, but the United States here, CDC and NIH, were extremely instrumental to this destructive economy. They were instrumental to the deaths that have happened. They need to be held accountable. I don't know if they're going to be held accountable. And that's what really bothers me and pisses me off. He gets to resign. He gets to have all his assets, all the profits that he made 
You know, he's going to be just fine if justice is not served. He's going to sail into the sunset and he's never going to have to worry about having to go to court. That is what you call a crooked society. That is what you call a nation that has two different sets of rules, the peasants and then the rulers. I just feel extremely bad for the people who are suffering and they're not receiving the help that they need. So to summarize all of this, everybody, I have emphasized that the economy is not looking good, but I believe we are approaching the time when it will collapse. And I hope you are mentally ready. I hope you're physically ready. I hope you're emotionally ready. If you don't believe in God, I hope you do start believing in God or of a higher power, I should say, because there will be some things that you cannot control and you are going to have to live on a prayer. You're going to have to hope for a miracle. But I do believe in a positive outcome. I do have hope. I just know that this ordeal is going to last quite a long time. When it happens, it is going to be quite a shock. You don't want to be in these populated metropolitan areas. You don't want to be by a large crowd. You want to be as far away as possible from these blue cities or any major city for that fact. So it's it's coming, you guys. It's already August. We're, we're looking at September. It is going to be September really soon. I just cannot believe how fast this year has flown. So that was uh, my theme. Let's get into some of the global news. And man, there's a lot going on in Europe. I mean, we talk about the US and what we're going through. But Europe, Europe is, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's Let's just get right into it. So the first one being the assassination. Tonight, investigators say the car bomb that killed the daughter of one of President Putin's allies may have been a contract killing. Eyewitness video showing what's believed to be the SUV Daria Dugina was driving engulfed in flames. Her father, Alexander Dugin, appears to be on the scene, visibly distraught. Russian authorities say she was likely murdered, a bomb placed under her seat. The question is why? Russian state-run media citing witnesses saying her father decided last minute to travel in a different vehicle and may have been the target himself. Alexander Dugin has been called Putin's brain, one of Russia's most influential ultranationalists, whose right-wing views found their way into Putin's speeches, including his staunch support for invading Ukraine. Views echoed by his daughter, seen on state TV on Thursday for the last time. She says people in the West are living in a dream, and they need to be nourished by this war. Russia's foreign ministry speculated that Ukraine may have killed her, but no evidence of that has emerged. Ukraine's government denies any involvement. Now, I'm going to be frank. I was not following, you know, Dugin, Alexander Dugin. But I guess he is a very prominent uh, figure in Russia. What I can say confidently is that anyone who is in Putin's circle will be targeted. And clearly this was a message 
because, you know, this is how the elites function. Could this include our three letter agencies here in the U.S.? Possibly. Right. I would not put it past intelligence to be involved in this, to have their sticky little fingers on this. Um, I do know that they want they, the elites, want to have a war, a world war, and they are doing whatever they can to provoke Putin. And any American that sits here and says that we need to have war, your ass is going over to fight. Okay, I don't want war because war does not benefit us people, low levels. All right, it only benefits the banks and it only benefits the elites. Okay, it does not benefit any of us, because they're going to send all of us, including women. All right. I think they could draft women too. Thank you, feminists. Uh, they can draft us to fight. I may be a little bit old for that fighting. Uh, I could, I, I'm going to have to check the age. But point is, they want a war. And this is this is not anything to crack jokes about. It's not funny, because if you really knew what was going on, and you understood the end goal if you understood the blueprints that they had this is no joke so I don't have a dog in this fight I am not rooting for Putin nor do I have anything against him because he has never done anything to the U.S. so why are we egging him on all right well we're gonna move to the U.K. and I'm not liking this Liz Truss I am not liking her at all. So she is running to replace Boris Johnson's, you know, his seat. You know, Boris Johnson was a clown. But this woman, she she's really, really a clown. Uh, she says that she is prepared to unleash nuclear destruction during a conservative leadership debate. You see, anyone who says that should never ever be elected ever it's not that they don't have the ability to think she is very hungry for power she may be a military industrial complex um operative there are relationships these are the types of things that you need to pay attention to when you are trying to find the right person to elect to represent you this woman is not representing UK at all so this is what she is saying Liz Truss feels ready to launch uh Trident nuclear weapons the front runner for conservative leadership declared at Tuesday's hustings in Birmingham UK saying that making decisions like this is an important duty of the prime minister the foreign secretary did not elaborate on which country the UK might pers persuade to use nuclear weapons against. She has delivered plenty of hawkish rhetoric along the campaign trail. So she's she's a clown. She is controlled and she's a clown. She's an idiot. So the people of England, you know, United Kingdom, do not vote for this woman. I know I should not be mingling in your elections, but don't make the mistakes that we Americans have been making. I personally am very knowledgeable about politics, so I am not making any mistakes. Rule number one, I just don't vote, but I'm not going to tell you not to vote. I'm just saying that you should not elect this woman. 
Never thought I would say these words, but apparently to some economists, Europe has now been branded a third world economy. The fallout of the sanctions imposed on Russia over the conflict in Ukraine has returned, has turned Europe into, quote, the third world of the Western world economies, a senior contributor to Forbes magazine has claimed. These days, the European stock market is the worst in the Western world, underperforming the U.S. by 10 basis points, uh, Kenneth Raposa pointed out in his article on Tuesday. The most significant headwind for such a state of affairs has been that the Russian sanctions on energy as punishment for its war with Ukraine has been the biggest factor. Those restrictions set off a massive commodity price spike that hurts the European economy the most. And this is why every single European leader needs to be fired. If you don't supply the energy or you don't have any means to produce that energy to produce that source you're gonna have to get it exported in or you're gonna have to depend on an external state an external country nation to provide that for you but they went ahead and put sanctions on russia knowing that russia supplies a lot of energy to europe and now the europeans are suffering All right, well, I'm going to mention one more story out of Europe, and this is involving uh, Finland's PM, Sana Marin. I don't know if I said that correctly. Apparently, there were some wild leaked photos and videos of her. She's 36 years old. Quite frankly, I really don't care. I'm reporting it because I guess it is becoming big news around the globe. She's 36. She has a certain public image, I guess, and the private image. I don't know if she was kissing other women, fondling other women. You know, this is what happens behind closed doors. I'm not surprised by this. This is what the elites do. They have swinger parties. uh, They have orgies. You know, they're only giving us the tame tame videos and pictures all right they do far worse behind scenes they have sex with children yes children they kill children yeah they do a lot of the stuff very disgusting satanic stuff but you know i mean i'm mentioning it because now i don't know if she's gonna resign i don't know about finland you know i i don't know right i'm just saying that this is nothing new there's still people who are shocked by this until we as a society and as a human race recognize that the elites are devil worshipers and they kill children for fun. I'm just going to keep on moving until we really get to the meat of this evil, the, the real source, the, the true nature of what's going on. This is all sort of like a walk in a park. This is nothing. So whatever, we can move on. Today, I'm going to skip news from the Middle East, Africa, Asia, South America. Not saying that there isn't anything going on down there. There's plenty going on. I'm just going to have to expedite this today. In Canada, Canada is set to surpass record-breaking 2021 immigration numbers. You know, what's funny is that 
Canada still has these COVID rules while other nations are removing these restrictions, these vaccine policies for travelers, et cetera, et cetera. But Canada is still forcing quarantine and they are preventing Americans who are not vaccinated from coming into the States. I don't know if they're even allowing Americans to come into the States. I think they are, but they need to be vaccinated. But how is it that Canada is still having record-breaking numbers, immigration numbers? I don't know. I don't know. But that's what's being reported. Now, finally, what you've been waiting for, we are going to make our way back to the U.S. Now, I'm going to first begin with this article that I talked about briefly in my last episode, and it was regarding the so-called killing spree, a murderer who was attacking Muslims. Now, I didn't believe that this was some type of hate crime. And, you know, I have really good intuition, really freaking good intuition, because now there's been an update to who has been doing these killings. And it was actually an Afghan. I don't know if it was an Afghan immigrant. I think it was because they use Afghan. So an Afghan immigrant has been murdering these uh, poor men, not like actual poor, but these unfortunate men who happen to all be Muslim. So it was not a hate crime. I know they were trying to pin it on some white person who was out here killing Muslims, but I knew in my gut something didn't seem right with this article. So this was happening in Albuquerque and they caught somebody. He is responsible for the killings of these three innocent men who happen to all be Muslim, but this individual is a Muslim as well. So there you go. That is why it's important to wait for the facts to come out before you start making any sudden judgment. Now, if you're somebody who bought a house recently, I don't know if you are having home buyers remorse, but according to CNBC, recent home buyers have been having regrets about their purchases. It's a very interesting thing. Mark Zuckerberg appeared on Joe Rogan. Now, I am recording this on August 25th. The episode on Joe Rogan just came available. I'm going to stomach through that podcast. Well, I shouldn't say podcast. Through that episode. I will watch it. I'm very surprised that Mark Zuckerberg even appeared on Joe Rogan. Very surprised. But what I will be paying attention to is if this is the real Mark Zuckerberg or if it's the hybrid, the the half human, half alien Zuckerberg. I mean, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google videos of Zuckerberg. He doesn't blink. He has that strange look on his face. I don't know if he's on drugs, but you know, it's, it's a bit unusual. It's not very human-like. Zuckerberg is a very strange character, but whatever, you know, I'm not gonna have him apologize for who he is. He is who he is. I am who I am. You are who you are. Do you. But uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get some, uh, some quick summaries on on what Zuckerberg, what, what he said on Joe Rogan's podcast. I don't know if there's anything enlightening, but I will see if there is anything worth talking about in the next episode. 
Now, I know this is sort of old news, but I don't know if you heard about the nurse in Los Angeles who was driving 100, I think it was 90 miles an hour, but 100 miles per hour, whatever it was, and killed six people. I think there was another person that died, a seventh person. Yeah, she she was held on like two, three million. I think it was nine million bond. Ridiculous. Watch the video. It's insane because it's an indication that our society is going insane. And it's crazy that people are even walking among us with that type of mentality. They're in a very strange mental state. The story is that she had a, an argument with her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, and she decided to get behind a wheel and just bolt it. You know, it just you just don't understand how people can do certain things. But, you know, I, I don't have the full story. I'm just taking bits and pieces of what I've read. Just watch the video. It's very shocking to to even know that people would do these type of things. And it also makes me a cautious driver. Even if my direction, my lane has a green light, I'm looking both ways. Okay, I'm looking both ways because you don't know if someone's just going to fly through a red light. You never know. So there's a, a little lesson for you, boys and girls. Starbucks has closed two cafes, but uh, the Starbucks union claims that the company did this in retaliation. Starbucks is, is becoming quite uh, the commie. And I hope people are realizing that their coffee is not that good. So now we have Nancy Pelosi and her husband. If you already forgot, he was driving drunk and he crashed his vehicle. Now, if you were the average American, your ass would have been thrown in jail. There would have been maybe 30, 50, $100,000 bond. And you would have been charged. You would have had points against your driver's license or maybe your driver's license would have been taken away. Uh, you would have spent some time in jail, but not Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi. No, Paul Pelosi got five days in jail and three years probation. You see how there are two different sets of rules in society. One's for the peasants and one's for the elites. This is truly unbelievable. Ellen DeGeneres, her woke animated show was canceled at HBO even before the 20 episodes aired. And that is because people are turning this garbage off. And plus, people don't like Ellen anymore. I don't know why anybody liked Ellen but she was a fake. She has been to Jeffrey Epstein's island multiple times. We know who Ellen DeGeneres is. And she didn't have anything to say about Anne Heche's uh, uh, car accident, which is quite interesting. But the woman does look evil. But uh, people are, are rejecting her. They're not really a fan of her. A store in Posh Beverly Hills has now banned masks due to shoplifting. <laughs> oh my gosh, crime is skyrocketing, but I just don't know if people are abandoning their liberal ways. Liz Cheney 
lost as a contender for the midterms. She's a piece of crap. Brian Settler had his show canceled. No surprise there. Yavolde, Yavolde. I've not forgotten about Yavolde. Everybody else has, but I have not. I did not complete watching that video, but I will make my comments. I know I keep mentioning it. It's just things just get hectic. I still think it's worth exploring. Well, the Yavolde school board has voted unanimously to fire the school police chief, Pete Arendendo. I think it's Arendendo. <laughs> I butchered his last name. Arredondo, Arredondo. There we go. Pete Arredondo. So they fired him. And you know what? I applaud you, parents. You you take back the power. You let those superintendents and anybody on that board know that you don't dictate what the parents need to do or how the kids should be educated, how they should be protected. That's exactly what you need to do. And that's a a message to all you parents out there. You have control and you can dictate how your district is run. So go, go parents. That's all I, that's all I can say right now. And I'm going to end this podcast with one very interesting article. John McAfee's ex-girlfriend says he faked his death and still alive and is living in Texas. So I think this is a good article to end this episode and I'll tell you why. We need to stop believing that these figures, these heads, these celebrities, whatever you want to call them, are going to save us. Trump is not going to save us. John McAfee is not going to save us. I'm just somebody who doesn't put another human being on a pedestal. What I can tell you is that you are in control of your own life. You must make decisions on behalf of yourself. Nobody else is going to come and save you. You don't know Trump. You don't know John McAfee. You don't know Kennedy. You know, there's a rumor that the Kennedy Jr. is is still alive. Listen, we need to stop thinking about saviors and you need to save yourself. You need to find the power within yourself and stop relinquishing the power to other people. I'm not going to lecture you. I just wanted to bring that article up because I don't know how we are going to benefit from knowing that John McAfee is alive. Is he going to reveal any information to us that we don't already know? That's what I want to know but I'm too busy to even try and pay attention and wait for that answer. I just, I'm not going to wait for it. So all these truthers, even people who are waking up, I understand how difficult it is to stand in your own position, to stand by yourself. Even if people don't agree with you fully, you need to make your own decisions and you need to think critically about what you need to do. You need to analyze your surroundings and understand that you have to take charge. You need to be proactive because we can't wait for people to save us. You must save yourself. I'm going to stop ranting because I know that you all are very intelligent and you know this, but some people need a little bit of a reminder. People like to sensationalize and look for 
theories, conspiracy theories in stories that just don't have any validity. I mean, she could be right. I don't hate her. I don't blame her for anything, but I just, I just don't think that it's a very conducive or productive conversation. That's just me. Again, I don't put people on pedestals. I speak in a sense where I give you information you act on it. You, 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 not me, not anybody else, not a politician, because those days are over. It's not going to be every man for themselves because we do need to have communities, but you need to think for yourself. Okay, well, I'm going to stop lecturing all of you. I know you're probably sick and tired of it, but I hope you all enjoyed this episode. Get ready, get ready. All right. The theme for this episode was pretty serious needs to get ready and I don't know how much longer we have just remember that it is going to be September very very soon and time is flying so our our window is really coming to a close here it's going to be a wild ride but just be aware that you know what's going to happen and you are far more prepared than the average American I'm not saying that we can't help them You can't help people who don't want to be helped. They have to want help for themselves. All right, everyone. I'm going to head out. I'm going to check out. And I hope you have a lovely morning, afternoon, evening. Just the fact that you are alive and you are here is amazing. And it's a blessing. So I will speak to you all in another episode. All right. Bye, guys.